Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Well, Merry Christmas and good morning, everybody. We um, are, uh, in a sense, wrapping up a series talking about the questions of Christmas, and we're still kind of going through that as well as we uh, look at another question today. And I'm sorry, the big kids are not allowed to stand on the pews, but if you want to get a cool coloring book, an activity book with crayons, feel free, big kids, to go get one. You can go get one now. And I will not be mad at you. So uh, this thing is awesome. There's like a word search in there and a maze. And can I tell you the bad jokes? Bad, bad jokes. Question, how do sheep greet each other at Christmas? Merry Christmas to you, E-W-E. Uh, second question, how do sheep in Mexico say Merry Christmas? The answer, of course, is fleece Navi. God. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, anyway, so grab one of these for the big kids. You can get that. Uh, but as we look at our text today in Colossians, we're really going to kind of meditate on just these couple verses and see what the Lord might have for us as we uh, spend some time in His Word. And so, uh, first of all, I want to uh, ask you, how was Christmas with family and friends? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, researchers say that every family has at least one person who's the wacky one when you look around the table. So think about your Christmas dinner table. Can you see the wacky one, right? Do you know who we're talking about? If you can't figure it out, researchers say it's probably you. You are the wacky one, Okay. <laughs> So we spent the last several weeks of 2019 unpacking the Christmas story. And on Christmas Eve, if you're with us, we looked specifically at how God is a smiling God, how God loves us so much that he had to, he wanted to provide a way back to him. He wants us to be with him so badly that he found a way and the way was to send Jesus as a baby. And that this Jesus, who was prophesied from uh, hundreds of years before he ever arrived, was named in Isaiah, a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace, this Jesus Christ. He came to earth as a babe and offered up costly love on the cross. And that was his invitation, that God wanted us to be, be with us so much that he made a way himself, becoming the sacrifice, rising again. And so today we're asking a question, not so much about the virgin birth, which we've answered, and not so much about uh, how is he fully human and fully divine, which is true as well, and not even about all the different prophecies. Uh, we looked at um, just, a, you know, maybe a dozen last time, but we can see there are dozens, if not hundreds, that we could look at. But today we're asking a different kind of question, which is this, has Jesus made a difference? Has Jesus made a difference in your life personally, but also in this world. And so you look at the headlines in the news, if you get it on your phone, or if you are like me, you get um, your inbox, different things of latest uh, news. The past year could be quite disturbing of what that news would look like. It may, might make you think that believing in Jesus maybe doesn't matter. It hasn't affected the world for the good, uh, maybe, as you look at it. Now, maybe 2019 was a year that you want to forget. Maybe some of you it was a great year. But for many of us, we look at rising housing costs and we think, 
Can it get any worse? It's stressing us out. Washington, D.C., not a lot of good news coming out of our central federal government, right? Continues to be deeply divided, and we get to look forward to 2020 and an election year. Yay, that'll be fun. That, that'll be fun conversations around the table, right? Um, Russia just announced it has unstoppable hypersonic missiles, in case you weren't worried about Putin already in his shirtless horse riding. Um, and if you invested in Macy's stock, I hope you didn't look at your stocks lately, they're down 45%, no shocker. And if you're a frequenter of the Dress Barn clothing stores, I'm sorry, all 650 stores are closing in 2020. I know, sad, sad music. Now begin. Okay, Dress Barn. So look at all the bad news. But for the Christian, the real good news is that you always have Jesus living in you. And that's very central to our lives every day. We always have good news in the midst of your very real bad news. I make fun of stocks, but we have real bad news in our life, right? Uh, We have stresses and we have things we're bringing in the 2020 that we are concerned about and worried about. And for the Christian, though, there's always good news. Jesus has chosen to come on a rescue mission He has chosen, if you've said yes to him, that means he's chosen you to join him on this mission for good in this world, to point to him. And that means he will never leave you, never forsake you. You always have real good news in the midst of your very real bad news. It matters that Jesus came because he is our Lord. So what we want to think about is this, how has he impacted your life personally? Yes. But how has the impact of the world at large? H.G. Wells has said this. He says, "I uh, I am an historian, but I'm not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrecoverably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. So we're going to take a look at how history proclaims uh, it as so that Jesus, his presence, matters. And we're going to also look at God's word to see how Jesus' life matters for yourself personally and for this planet. Now, so we take a look of Colossians chapter 1. Now, we're going to give you a little bit of a background if you're following along. Paul wrote this letter to the apostle. He had a radical life encounter. And he, he was, he's part of the reason why I, I believe that this story is true. Paul had no reason to interrupt his very fine life to become a Jesus follower. That's one of the reasons why I believe this Bible and believe this Jesus story. Paul himself uh, was someone who was persecuting Christians and didn't have any reason to totally turn his life upside down and to become a radical follower and leader for the sake of the gospel, Okay. So Paul is likely writing this book, this letter, to um, the Christians in Colossae, modern-day Turkey. He's probably writing from a prison cell. So Paul knows bad news well. In this prison cell, you have to imagine, this isn't like fancy white-collar America prison. This is like Roman Empire 2,000 years ago prison. So he's not only locked up uh, for 24-7, he is chained to a guard 24 Four, seven. So imagine all the things you like to do by yourself. Now imagine yourself chained to someone trying to do those things you like to do by yourself. 24-7, as if life wasn't bad enough. Why was he chained to a guard 24-7? Why is he in prison? Because he believes Jesus is the true and only source of life. And he's in jail. 
Now, can you imagine being persecuted because you want to follow Jesus? Can you imagine what that's like? I can't because I've never been persecuted quite that way. But even today, we have many of our fellow brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted because they believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus came in his first advent, believe the Bible that says that Jesus is coming back in a second advent. He came first as a baby. He'll come uh, secondly as, the, as a rightful king, a uh, rightful ruler. We'll see him with all his glory. And because of that belief, Christians around the world today are being persecuted. Uh, just on Christmas Eve, I believe, we had uh, the Islamic State executed Christians. A lot of news coverage didn't cover it so much, but half, they were killed because of their commitment to follow Jesus. Can you imagine being persecuted because you want to sing these songs? Because you want to celebrate uh, the life that you found in Jesus and tell the people about it? Paul knows what it's like. He knows what these Christians, our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution around the world, he knows what it's like to be persecuted. He was a persecutor, Paul was, and then he became persecuted. But Paul had the good news in him. It was the person of Jesus. He had hope in Christ. So let's see what Paul says as we look at these verses again. I'm going to read verse 15 as well, Colossians 1:15. He being Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. What these verses remind us of today is that life in Jesus matters. We're not just playing church. When you look at 2020, and maybe you're looking at some bad news, you're looking at some potentially good news, I don't want you to remember that Jesus goes with you, that he loves you, that you have good news within you, carrying you. It reminds us that life in Jesus matters, because what Paul says about Jesus can't be said of anyone else who's ever walked this planet, can't be said of anyone else in your life that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. The uh, church in Colossae were probably struggling to believe these words because they grew up as pagans. They grew up as following uh, the, the Roman gods, worshiping these other temples and doing different sacrifices or following certain rituals. And they needed to know and believe that this Jesus that they were following now had supremacy over all these other false gods. They were probably struggling to follow Jesus. And so Paul is reminding them, you have the ultimate power within you. That same power that created the universe is in you. We have scientists in this room who understand, they're scientists in, 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 in cosmos, and they understand the power we're talking about. That lives in you. That same resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so the good news for 2020, no matter what mess you're facing, challenges you're facing, the good news abides in you, Jesus himself. And it says that he holds all things together. These verses remind us that life in Jesus matters for our friends 2,000 years ago, for our world at large, but for you personally. Now, four times, I don't know if you noticed, in just these two verses, four times, Paul says all things, all things, all things, all things. 
just to help remind you that Christ is supreme over every aspect of your life. Now, if you're wondering, maybe Jesus is going to be over my finances. Okay, that's a good thing. Jesus is over my relationships, another good thing. Jesus is over my, my future work, my life. That's a good thing. He says, everything is mine. Jesus is proclaiming supremacy. He's proclaiming everything in your life. Just in case you're wondering if there's one aspect of your life that doesn't belong to Jesus, he's reminding you all things belong to me. And that's a good news. You want him in all things of your life. If you're slow like me, though, maybe Paul is writing this to me by the Holy Spirit. All things, Tim. All things, Tim. All things, all things. He has authority over all things in this world, in the cosmos, and he has authority over all things in your life. So where in your life do you bring today some doubt, a pain, a sadness, an anger, a disappointment? Jesus says, I can touch all things. That this next year, 2020, he can have supremacy. If you invite him in, he will speak into all things in your life. There's nothing that is beautiful and good that doesn't belong to him. So Paul is insisting that Jesus is not a way, but the way. Jesus is not just a path to spiritual enlightenment, but rather the source of all good. He's it. He's the source of all good, all beauty, and the only hope for the world. And so do you see Jesus like that right now? Can you see him? These young Christians in, in Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey, they were being fed lies that they needed to do something more in order to be acceptable to God, in order to make their lives meaningful. And you might be looking at this next year to say, if I just attained this change in my life, then I will finally be acceptable to myself or acceptable to my family or acceptable to society. Jesus is saying, in all things, I can be your source of identity. He wants to be everything to you. He wants you to invite him in. When you think of what would make your life full in 2020, imagine that thing, what would bring you more meaning, more life, more beauty? Paul is arguing here that in 2020, believe that Jesus makes a difference because in him, all things hold together. So if this Jesus can hold the cosmos, can't he handle your life? Can't he handle? I, I know I've talked with you, I've prayed with you. There's business stuff going on in your life that you need Jesus. He's big enough to handle it. There's family stuff going on in your life, and you need the touch of God. Jesus is saying, I care about all of those things. I've not abandoned you in those tough things that you're walking through right now. In him, all things hold together. He's everything you need. He's preceded creation. He's the source of all creation, and he personally cares about you. All things, big things in your life and even the smallest things in your life. He cares about all things in the whole world and in your life personally. We see that this Jesus is such a personal God, but he doesn't limit his impact to just your singular life. He's impacting the entire planet. Let me give you some examples how Jesus matters to the whole planet. It's because of Jesus that the plight of children around the world has improved the last 2,000 years. What do I mean? Well, if you're in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, unwanted children, you know what you did with it? Put them in the orphanage, right? No, there were no orphanages. You put them in the trash heap. You took a child that was unwanted and you literally put them screaming and kicking and crying on a trash heap because that was the norm until Christians came along. 
and started going to the trash heaps and adopting unwanted children as their own. That's where orphanages came into being. It's because of Christians. It was the Christians who found these abandoned babies and adopted them because of their value in Christ. Because they knew, as Jesus had taught them, and they knew through the Holy Spirit as they read their Old Testament scriptures, because these letters from Paul were just getting written and the Gospels were just being put together and circulated, they knew from Jesus' words that every life mattered. And so they went to the dumps and they rescued babies. And even years later, when people were catching diseases, Christians are the ones saying, I'll go and care for the sick. Because every human being, whether the baby or the elderly or anyone in between, no matter what color they were, where they came from, they're the image of God. That's not what the Romans gods taught. That's not what the other religions were teaching, but Christianity was teaching your life matter because you carry the image of God. So they rescued babies and they cared for sick people. And Christians today continue to be global leaders in eradicating poverty. So I'm saying 2,000 years ago, the Jesus movement started that whole philanthropic movement that we're so, it's so normalized to us, right? Orphanages and, and hospitals and even education. And I'm going to name some other specific things as well. Christians today specifically are global leaders in eradicating poverty. The latest statistics are that extreme poverty, listen to this, has gone from nearly 30% in 1990. So what does that mean? Well, that means today, at least, that someone in extreme poverty is living on just $1.90 per day, $1.90 a day, okay? And that's relativized to, to each country. 30%, third of the world in 1990 lived on what was equivalent to $1.90 a day. And now in 2019, because of the efforts of many being Christian leaders in Christian organizations and in government organizations as well, that only now 10% live in extreme poverty. That's a huge thing. That means billions of people just in the recent decades have been lifted out of poverty. And that's organizations like World Vision and Compassion International and other Christian leaders and even some Christian nations taking the lead in eradication. Well, 2,000 years ago, the norm was to dump abandoned babies in the trash. But the Jesus movement changed that norm, starting there, and that spread throughout the world. Christians lifting people out of poverty, Christians saving babies, Christians caring for the sick. It was also Jesus who elevated the status of women, including them as equals when the Greco-Roman culture and even the ancient uh, Jewish culture of the time forbade this. And what it meant is that the Bible, they, they said, taught that both men and women were made in God's image and that they have critical leadership roles in the life of the church. I don't know if you even know that it was Christian missionaries who helped end the tradition in India of giving up girls to be temple prostitutes. How did that stop? Christians. That's how it did. And so what we see is Jesus' impact is still empowering the movement against modern day slavery. What do I mean by that? 40 million people today enslaved around the world. And yes, the United States. And yes, right in our own backyard. 40 million around the world. And today, we have Christians leading the way still, eradicating modern-day slavery. And so I ask again, did it matter that Jesus came? Humanity, God knew, was in need of a rescue, and God didn't turn his back on his broken creation. Even those of us who, who turned our back and, and have tried to forget him, God refused 
to ignore the brokenness of the world. And so he entered our brokenness as a baby. He says he's going he's to solve this problem. He became a baby. He grew up. He showed us the way. He took a cross. He rose again. He did it out of love. And this Jesus, this baby Jesus who grew up, is the creator of all things. And this risen Jesus says, I can sustain you. I can sustain your witness. I can sustain you as a church. I will make you flourish. See, God gave the Holy Spirit to this imperfect group of disciples. I don't know if you remember after Jesus was crucified, just this last week, um, kind of in conjunction with me reading the um, birth stories of Jesus, reading all the gospels and learning about the early years and uh, of Jesus during this Christmas season. I was also looking at the resurrection stories through the Gospels. Uh, it was a great juxtaposition because it reminded me that these early followers of Jesus were so imperfect. They were the most surprised that Jesus rose from the dead. They were shocked. They weren't expecting it. That's why I believe the Bible even more, because it, it records them doubting. It records them being surprised that Jesus is going, where is he? You know, they were looking in the cave where he was buried, like, where's Jesus? It's like, oh, uh, hello, read the Bible. It to- he told you he was going to rise again. They were the most surprised. And that gives me hope. You know why? Because if God could use yahoos like them, he can use this yahoo too. If he could use doubting, imperfect, struggling, maybe even sometimes depressed followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago, there might be hope for me in 2020. That's what I read when I read the Bible, because the Jesus who holds all things, who holds the cosmos together, who knit you together in your mother's womb, that same Jesus says, I will hold you in 2020. I will pour in and through you next year. Will you see him in your life? Will you be open to this move of God? So did it matter that he came? Well, we're looking at the way that Jesus has affected the planet, but I also want you to know he wants to affect you personally as well, and that ye might use your life to affect the entire planet in a good way as well. God gave the Holy Spirit to this imperfect group, this ragtag group of doubting disciples who are surprised that Jesus rose from the dead, and in, within 400 years, they overtook the entire Roman Empire. If God could use them, why can't he use us? If that's the power of the one who holds all things together, why can't he hold us together? as we seek to be these imperfect people sharing his love next year. Your witness, your life. The impact of Jesus is undeniably good for the planet and undeniably good for you if you will surrender to him. See, our skeptical friends ask fair questions. They ask questions like, how can we even know if Jesus actually lived? And I hope if you've been with us the last few weeks, you've heard my reasoning why I think he's a historical figure and why the scriptures are reliable and we can trust these stories. But even our sincerely seeking friends who might even say, okay, let me assume that Jesus is historical, they ask a better question or another question comes up a lot with me. They're asking this, but have Jesus's followers been a force for good or evil in history? That's the question I'm getting even more often now. Uh, Pastor John S. Dickerson He was an investigative journalist prior to becoming a pastor, and he was a skeptical Christian himself. And he did this research that led him to a deeper faith in Christ and ultimately led him to now be a pastor of a church. But he set out to investigate, to find the answers to these kinds of questions. Is Jesus of Nazareth historical? And have the followers of Jesus been a force for good or evil the last 2,000 years? And for him, as an investigative journalist, 
what he came to understand in his skeptical mind is that Jesus really did exist, and Jesus launched the greatest movement for social good in human history. And he argues this. He says, objective truth is still the backbone of Christianity, but we can no longer use it as the front door for our apologetics, for our witness, our evangelism. Why? Because we're speaking to a post-truth generation. That's what we live in now. Post-Christian, post-truth world. You experience it. Maybe some of you are coming from that context as well, but in our families, right? In our schools, uh, in our culture, wherever we go. And so what Pastor Dickinson wants to do, he wants our skeptical friends and family to know that if they value seeking something like social justice, which a lot of people are really, really for, if they want to see social justice in this world, then we need to listen to leaders like Martin Luther King, like Harriet Tubman, like Frederick Douglass, these champions of social justice who just happen to be radical followers of Jesus. We need to look at the evidence of their lives as well. And, and maybe these uh, others in our lives, uh, for teens and millennials and other skeptics, they want to know if Christianity is anti-intellectual. Is it just for stupid people like Pastor Tim? You have to turn off your brain, right? And yet we have people like Isaac Newton, Blaise Pascal, and some some of the smartest people in this region go to our church. They're right here. They're sitting in this room. And you know what? They're radical followers of Jesus. They didn't have to turn off their brain to follow Jesus. Jesus' singular life has had more impact on our world in a positive way than any other human being that has ever walked this planet. But his plan is that we would continue his impact in the cities in which we live. And so, yes, Jesus has made a difference. Yes, he has made a difference in the world, but people won't know this unless we show them. Because listen, people care less right now if, if it's true, but is it good? We believe he's true and he's good. Well, how are they going to know he's good? Well, through you. <laughs> You're the evidence, right? That's what they say. You're the only Bible that most of your neighbors are ever going to read. You, right? You are the ones to show the goodness of God. Jesus has made a difference, and he wants to make a difference through you. You don't have to be famous to make a difference in 2020, but you do need to make yourself available in 2020. Open. Say, God, how do you want to use my little singular life for your goodness? That's a dangerous prayer, and I hope you'll pray it with me today. See, people don't want to just know if Jesus is true, but is he good? Will he make a positive impact on this planet? You see so many problems, so many challenges in our cities, in our, in our schools, in our government, in our personal lives. Will he make a difference? Is he going to do good? How will they see the goodness of Jesus is through you? So I want to encourage you, friends, as we prepare to head into 2020, that your singular life does matter. It does because the little things matter to God. The big things matter to God because in Christ, all things hold together. That's big things like Martin Luther King big, but guess what? It's like Tim Yee small too. It's you small. It's big and small. All things he holds together. Now, I could list numerous examples of how Jesus has impacted modern education. Uh, another sermon on how he's impacted medicine. Uh, another one on philanthropy, on politics, economics, on social justice. But somehow, a Jewish carpenter whose ministry lasted only three years, who was impoverished, 
He impacted our planet for the good. Today, a third of the world's population claims to be followers of this Jewish carpenter. They call him his Lord, their Lord and Savior. And more followers of Jesus are added every day in places like Africa and Asia. There's a revival breaking out in Thailand, one of the toughest nations to reach in the world. There's a revival breaking out in Iran. And, and they're secretly you know, worshiping together and they're getting persecuted in these closed nations. And even in the unbelieving secular West, we're seeing churches and ministries. There's, there's renewal happening in Europe and North America. And so we see that Jesus has impacted the planet like no other human being. And his influence is actually increasing on a global scale. That's the Jesus that we follow. That's the Jesus that lives in you. That's the good news for 2020. That power, that person is in you. And he holds all things together, even the mess of your life. You say, how, how can God use me, Tim? You don't know the mess in my life. Well, start, it's starting to believe that you know this Jesus won't give up on you, that he will continue to persist in you and use you if you say yes to him. So as you look to 2020, I want you to be convinced that Jesus still matters in this world. In a world that says that Jesus doesn't matter, in a world that says that God's word doesn't matter, to have the confidence that it's still true. Pastor Max Lucado says it this way. He says, the Bible has been banned and burned and scoffed and ridiculed. Scholars have mocked it as foolish. Kings have branded it as illegal. A thousand times over, the grave has been dug and the dirge has begun. But somehow, the Bible never stays in the grave. Not only has it survived, but it has thrived. It's the single most popular book in all of history. It's been the best-selling book in the world for years. And guess what? That doesn't count the millions of Bibles secretly distributed in closed countries like China or in Iran and many parts of the Middle East. It doesn't even count all of those Bibles. Jesus and his word still matters. It's what you're going to need in 2020, I promise you. You know, Paul, in a different letter writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says this to you believers and to us today, I believe. He says, be steadfast because our work for the Lord is not in vain. Paul says that the little things matter. Be steadfast. Your work is not in vain. Yes, the big things and the small things, it matters. Why? Because of the resurrection of Christ, because of the power of God that worked through Christ and that power that lives in you. Be steadfast in the Lord because our work for the Lord is not in vain. And because we serve a Jesus in whom all good things hold together, which Paul says in Colossians, we can have confidence that everything we do with faith in Christ matters to God. Jesus says that even if you give a cup of cold water to a child, and back 2,000 years ago, a child in that ancient culture was not a valued person. But Jesus makes it a point to say, even if he just gave a cup of cold water, a very ordinary thing, to an insignificant person, Jesus says, I take notice. And if Jesus will take notice of that small of a thing, can you imagine the things that he wants to take notice in your life? Because anything you do for him, he notices Anything you do, saying, Lord, I just want to follow you, you're, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're hosting, you're waving at people, you're writing that letter, the, the schoolwork that you're doing, it all matters. And Paul says, be steadfast because our work for the Lord is not in vain, because Jesus notices the little things as well. Jesus says, you'll certainly not lose your reward if you do these little things. 
because they matter, because he is the eternal reality that holds the universe together. And so you see, friends, in Christ, everything you do has eternal significance. Nothing you offer to Christ goes to waste. That's very important you look at 2020. Nothing you do in Christ goes to waste. He'll work it out. It may not be the way that you wanted it to work out, but he will receive it as worship. He will receive it as a gift. I love it in here, in your, in your booklet that you all picked up, right? Your, uh, your activity booklet. There's a spot here that, that says, you should all take one. They're not enough, but go ahead. Uh, it says, my gifts for the Savior. I'd love for you. Yeah, I'd love for you. On here, you can use your regular bulletin. What little thing can you offer to the Lord in 2020? What would you draw on your page? What word would you put? Because Jesus is saying all things matter to him. Your little things, what can you offer him that you'd say, well, I don't really have faith that God can use this, but give it to him. Your school, your, your education, your marriage, your children, your hobby, it all matters. Be steadfast because our work for the Lord is not in vain. He's the eternal reality that holds the universe together and he's holding you together and he will take whatever mess that you have if you give it to him. And you offer him the, the, the ability to open up your life to the fullness of his power. He wants to remind you of eternal significance, that nothing in your life goes to waste when you offer it to him. So you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be available. That means that every note you sing, every prayer that you pray, every smile you give, every nice gesture, every bold step of faith... Whatever you do as an offering to Christ has eternal significance because Jesus says it does. In the eyes of God, it matters when you put your faith in him. So Lord, the Lord wants us to be steadfast in our work for him, in our offerings to him in 2020 because God's watching. Because listen, no one thought a crucified carpenter on the cross would make a difference. No one, not even his own disciples. No one thinks that you, by following Jesus faithfully in 2020, will make a difference. Well, I do, and we do, and Jesus does. You following him in 2020 can make a huge difference in someone else's life and maybe even in the world. No one thinks that by us following Jesus faithfully will put a dent in the devil's stronghold on our planet. Maybe God has put on your heart a particular stronghold of the devil, a particular brokenness of our planet that stirs your heart. Well, no one thinks that little you is going to make a difference, but with Christ, you can. And maybe God has even put something on your heart that resonates, a brokenness in this world, an injustice in this world, a sadness that you want to help become untrue, a brokenness that you want to see some healing happen, a lostness that you want to see people found. Maybe it's mental health. You, know, you see friends who are struggling with depression struggling with, you know, cutting themselves, struggling with, with hating themselves. And you say, you know, Lord, use me in one small way this next year, right? We can offer our lives. Every little thing matters to the Lord. No one thought a crucified carpenter would make a difference. And no one in their right mind would think that you, with this imaginary person, Jesus, is going to make any difference in 2020. Well, Jesus says it will. He holds all things together. Paul says the work's steadfastly for the Lord, because your work is not in vain, friends. Offer it to him. 
John Ortberg encourages us by saying this. He says, certain truths remain unchanged. God remains sovereign. Grace beats sin. Prayers get heard. The Bible endures. Heaven's mercies spring up new every morning. The cross still testifies to the power of sacrificial love. The tomb is still empty. And the kingdom that Jesus announced is still expanding without needing to be bailed out by human efforts. God is still in the business of redemption, specializing in bringing something very, very, very good out of something very, very good very bad. Paul says this, in Jesus, all things hold together. Literally, that word together is sustaino, which is the word sustains. God wants to sustain your life in the middle of your mess. God means Jesus personally is sustaining your life and will sustain you into this next year because the sustainer of the universe, of the cosmos, personally wants to sustain your life. He has his eyes of love on you. You ever seen that sign you walk into someone's home? Dear God, bless this mess. Dear God, I just want to pray a blessing on whatever mess you have coming before you this next year. Dear God, would you bless this mess? Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for always being with us. Thank you for being the power that will continue to reside in us and then pour through us. Jesus is an expert in holding our messy life together and use it for good. You know that your pain is often a stepping stone for a ministry. God will use the pain and the scars in our life. It's often those very places that he's going to create a ministry, an opportunity for you to bless someone. I'm not saying that pain is good. I'm just saying that God can use your pain if you give it to him and let him take these things and make something good out of them. Your life matters. Dr. Martin Luther King said this. He said, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. Well, guess who Dr. King followed? King Jesus. That was his power. God will take your small things in 2020 and can do great things through your messy little lives like mine. Would you commit your 2020 to handing over all the big things and even all the small things in your life to Jesus? Because to Jesus, they matter. He's the master of holding all things together in your life as well. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are the sustainer of all things. You sustain the planet. It's because of you that this 2,000 years of trajectory of seeing poverty being eradicated even in recent decades and seeing children being cared for, not abandoned, and seeing people who are sick being cared for with hospitals and, and places of schools and philanthropy. Lord, so much good has happened because of your presence. But Lord, we are praying for even more. Would you, this next year, would you use us? All the big things in our life and our small things, would you use us to show people that you are still good? Yes, that you are still true and you are still good. Lord, forgive me for being a barrier for people seeing goodness. Lord, forgive me for being doubtful that you could use me. But Lord, give us the vision to see the power that is present in us. We carry us through to this next year, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.